0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Everyone, welcome to the podcast, Talk Architecture. I'm your host, Nazia T. muhammad Yakub, And also, I am the author of most of the program's content. Today, I will be talking about something that is also will be addressed on the 16th of August 2021 in a clubhouse event on a specific issue that has been discussed since the 7th of August. Of course, this issue is something that is an ongoing issue regarding the architectural education, specifically design thesis. So I'm going to read the text that has been prepared for the Clubhouse event for this podcast. The five reasons why our Malaysian local universities graduates are not able to compete in the world globally. Or another way of me debating the reason why it's important we do site-context issues-driven projects for the Design Thesis Studio. Let me say here that there is no hard and fast rule about how things are going to turn out when it comes to education, but have we actually covered the basis So what I'm trying to do is help with that, how to cover the basis, you know, um, the how-to of resolving this problem. Now I'm going to go into the text now. So architecture education issues in Malaysia. My debate and argument comes from a premise, and which I will explain further. We are continuing the discussion in other clubhouse events, uh, the Malaysian Archi Review Club, which I attended as an audience member, notably on the 7th and 14th August 2021, hosted by A.R. Lokwi and others. So the former day on the 7th was spe- specifically on the design thesis and the later date on architecture education background, and the function of the Council of Architecture Education Malaysia of the Board of Architects Malaysia, and also what Ian Davis said. However, on the 14th August session, it ended with the guest speaker, the former um, Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia president, A.R. Zulham Lian, proposing that, quote, The reason why I suggested that we talk about architecture education is because I want our graduates to be among the best in the world. I want them to be able to compete with the foreign architects, because we know the foreign architects are coming into our country, and the only way forward is to compete with them. If we have good graduates that have solid architecture education background, then we are able to compete with anyone in the world. And not only that, we can even go outside of the country to actually export our services. That's why I think we need to relook at our current architecture education system and what can be done to make ours among the best in the world. That's the reason why we have this discussion, and I think time is short. Unquote. Well, I echo architect Zohemli's concern and would like to put forward my arguments from the perspective of full-time academic from a Malaysian public university who has had 24 years of experiencing teaching in our local universities, UM and UTM before. I will tackle this subject focusing on the design thesis specifically. I believe when you sort out the design thesis, you will sort out the rest. Design thesis is right between the first four years of architecture education and four years into employment, it would take it those nine years of being a crucial time to study further and get the Part 3 um, Lembaga Architect Malaysia or Board of Architects um, recognition as well. We do have exceptional graduates who could do it in seven years' time, of course. If the Part 2 graduate can compete, getting employment globally after five years of study, then... It will be a measure of excellence of our graduates, meaning this is the ideal situation that we want. But let's give nine years instead as a minimum measure. Also, these arguments are solely for Malaysian graduates who did both part one and part two in a Malaysian university. Are there any graduates who got employed globally after five years of study? If yes, what are the percentages? I had known uh, of our UM Fresh graduates working in Singapore after graduating, even directly after part two, but I had heard of one graduate, (coughs) our best student, in fact, who wanted to work with a famous architect in Singapore who happened to be a Malaysian, but he did not want to take him. Was it because of the standard of our school, you know, we are not competitive enough with National University of Singapore, for example, or was it because the fresh graduate was not that confident enough in the interview? Either one of these points is very pertinent to our discussion. Another premise that we'd like to contend is unit two design thesis studio from 2018, 2020, and for this book that we're doing, we conducted interviews with graduates from the Kampong-Kurinchy batch and the PJ Old Town batch. The questions we asked the designers included their individual thesis journey, the personal reasons for why they chose a topic or whatever decisions they made, breakthrough and challenges that they had, how they felt about the team in the studio-based learning, including external critics and studio masters, tutors, uh, studio team, the design processes and what advice would they give to other students. We podcasted the interviews since last year, 2020 in talk architecture, as you know it. So the topics were i mean the the, the, the topics that we had in talk architecture were re-examining community architecture, site specific issues and local context situations. or context specificity projects. The themes that were emerging were pedagogy and educational, community buildings, market, church, gardens, and recreational. School typology is of interest to the students. And we know it that there is interpretation of the brief concept, design development, detailed design and special studies in that year long study. The studio emphasized on cross ventilation and technical issues. But theory and practice go hand in hand, as emphasis is on design problems and hypothesis, issues of type, site, and even bigger issues were dealt with. Aspects of able to, con- to accept and relearn again, going back to a basic level, even, such as le- relearning what in-between spaces are. The team of coaches, consultants, and experts that we call um, people who give feedback. Collaborative and independent aspects in the students' journey we discuss in the podcast interviews. Breakthroughs and challenges, what happened them? what helped them to push through any barriers. So now I wish to explain the five reasons why our Malaysian local universities graduates are not able to compete in the world globally. And I will propose how to deal with this. The first point is, we are not being resourceful enough. So the argument is for the site context issues driven approach here. We're not being resourceful with what we've got from our graduates research interviews that I mentioned earlier, when they were, when they are being employed after part two, they don't even go to the site or very little information derived from the site like they do in design thesis as they were from Unit 2 that really dealt with the site. So the best is to have a context-specificity design project where you have one area where you can get different projects from for the, de- for the design thesis here. It makes a lot of sense for data collection, research on the site, and site analysis as well as the building type, as University Malaya is right in the middle of Kuala Lumpur and Putaling Jaya, and we have a strong networking with a lot of government agencies, including Kuala Lumpur City Hall and Putaling Municipal City Council, plus non-government organizations. Since we are in a tropical country, people are amenable to assisting and helping the student with data. They were quite amenable and open. Find an area in Kuala Lumpur and Klang Valley that is to do with neighborhood and community immediately in city areas. We're not being resourceful, that was to do. There are also a lot of small towns and cities in Malaysia if we can get access to a lot of information as well. Also being resourceful means being able to get the data collection and helping out with the brief, the design brief, the research very well with lots of interviews and case studies. So that you can go into the design better with better flow. So on the other hand, if you have 24 students, for example, in the thesis year, and you have 24 different projects from different sites, and even if you have only two students on one site, there is less you can do in terms of the beginning part, where I mentioned earlier, to do the site analysis and the design and the research on that area. So if you want to do a design thesis program in the fifth year, the site context, issues-driven approach is very effective in terms of the approach to the problems. The design problems come from the site. And then do all the 24 students or 12 students or 15 students can work together in a group and be more thorough at the stage with the activities, Mosaic, and the interviews. And with this project, students from different universities, although they come from different schools, they're on the same page and they would understand what to do together because this has to do with the practical thing of data collection and analysis. So for 24 sites, if they're doing 24 different sites and different topics, you cannot give much feedback and coaching, especially when it comes to detailed design. So for the second point, why we cannot compete globally is because we are not going deep enough into the project. When will we ever do detailed design in our five years of study? Why is it important to do detailed design properly? It is all about confidence. For a year long thesis, we should try to get detailed design done a lot more and as early as possible in the second semester. Therefore, we need to get the project sorted, especially the concept earlier on. We noticed that, we tend to make the project longer in the schematic design stage and even ask the students to do more than one options. Why do we do that? It is because the research, research and site study is not enough. If you do it in the group, it will be much more thoroughly, uh, much more thorough detail. But this is just one person. So you would see that this person struggling, yeah? So... Is it because the research and site study is not enough and the topic does not gel with the site, for example? Get the concept done earlier, say, by mid-SAM one so that we can go into detailed design earlier in semester one. The reason why our students don't get this exposure to do detailed design because we let them do too much of schematic design in semester one. We cannot afford for graduates to go through the whole five years and not do detailed designs going into employment. So the approach of, this, of a studio that does site context issue-driven projects makes sure that the students go into the detailed design earlier. <coughs> that is why we cannot compete globally. If the students are good at detailed design, they will be confident going to employment globally. Employers will snap them up because they have the sense of confidence to go and deal with material and a method of design or materiality and a method of design the bread and butter of architects. If we sorted this early, at the very least in the design thesis, which is a year long project that allows for this practice of theory and skills early, you can guarantee this. I would like to mention that in the case of University Porto, University Porto graduates, although not naturally English speakers, mostly got employed in the UK because of their curriculum and what competencies and skills the University of Porto Architecture School emphasizes on. That has been discussed elsewhere, but you can go into that if you want. So the most important thing is the design. In-depth detailing of the design needs enough time to massage the drawings and strengthen the concept. Other approaches to detail design for the average students is not dealt with. We call it special studies, but not done in a detailed design. The whole of the design scheme is just a sneak preview of one aspect of design and sometimes not even detailed and copy and paste of ideas, not testing the hypothesis enough or the theory. So this is the the one that gives confidence to the students. And through the examples of the interviews that we have with the students, these are the things they said that is important and also the collaboration part. Now we're going to the collaboration part. So we can't compete globally because the tutors stroke the lecturers in Malaysia doesn't want, don't want to collaborate with the students. Now tut- it's about tutor skills, you know, up skills or uh, lifetime skills. And also it's about the collaboration. There needs to be a collaboration with someone in the design phases, If the reason is because distraction in key performance indicators, like what Ian Davis said on the 14th August event, which I touched upon also in my blog, this will be problematic. If everyone in the department just want to manage only or give instructions in studio teaching, but not able or do not want to collaborate in the design processes. The approach on site context issues-driven projects, you can collaborate with, the, with theory lectures together with detailed design lectures as part of the studio teaching team, which I will explain in number five later. This is the criteria if you want the design processes to be more effective. A collaboration is not a mysterious endeavor. Then it is not a collaboration, but something else. You don't need to have students after desk scripts or group or interim credits, they go away, do something, and come back and you see them and their work and just shoot away what you think again and again. You're divorced from the collaborative involvement. That's not the way to do it. We have to change the way we tutor students, but still maintain the master-apprentice way, but with collaboration, as it is now more easily to find information. The tutor as coach eases the process to guide where to look. The generation of students bombarded by information need to be guided and need at least a conversation to be happening and continuously happening until the end. This is to be understood as a core competency. This is a core competency and the importance of collaboration. And our students would appreciate that and globally the future employers will snap up our students because they know the students are good at collaboration. Students will know what to do and what to present. They know what to present in desk crits, crits, studio pinups, centering crits, final crits. They will know what it is that they need to do because they are in collaboration all the time. We're not in loggerheads with them. We can collaborate with them. And this is good to do this, though it's tough. It's a tough thing to do collaboration, right? The problem is many tutors want it easy. They don't want to go and take the time to deal with the students' work. They don't want to collaborate. So that's the problem with the tutors in Malaysia, that they don't want to collaborate. They don't have the time because of key performance indicators and publications that they need to do. That's an easy excuse. That's why they said that they want to learn from the students and accept hypothetical sites or maybe the student come with a hypothesis and they want to indulge in the conversation and the crit and shoot away at poor drawing conventions and there is no wow factor. For them, they resist this problem of collaboration is when the lecturers are invested in what the students do themselves, emotionally, intellectually, time-wise and cost-wise. So there are further points to this, firstly, The collaboration is not a mystery, you know. The students go away and come up with something. Try to prove it and you react and you go away. No, they have someone to collaborate with. Okay, and it's the studio's team. That's the studio tutors. So the whole studio is set up that everyone is in collaboration with the student. The reason why this is so important is because the time for them to study and what you can get out of the fifth year. And we talk about the hypothesis or thinking about an issue. We've done this before. And it takes a lot of work for the lecturer to go into the detailed design as well. And secondly, but now people there, people want it easy. They want to learn from the student student's project. They want to collaborate. They don't want to collaborate with students. So that's not point you know about collaboration and talking about collaboration, the importance of collaboration, between the students and tutors, which is to be discussed in detail in the book. Regardless of the design thesis, that is very important. And in the context of Malaysian students, because we don't have liberal arts education, we don't have the grounding like some countries. And when we talk about the creative industries, we're talking about innovation, we're talking about it could be engineering, it can be art, it can be science. At least, you know, when you think about design thesis, I think that we will discuss about a chapter in the book about this, talking about the other approaches But And yes, this book will settle everything of that approach. But um, I will not talk about this approach here, um, but we'll be talking about this in the book. The fourth point is we are not doing master planning and urban design. That's why we cannot compete globally. Master planning includes site concepts issues, architecture, urban planning, and master planning. At part one level, I get it if we concentrate on building competencies in the technical understanding of bylaws and make sure students know that along with drawing conventions and the competence of drawing submission tender documentation via working drawing exercise, you can actually teach this separately and let students explore in the studio. But at part two level, there should be higher complexities of learning, not necessarily building complexities, but learning complexities, which are found in multidisciplinary and intersectionality concepts. The most obvious is master planning where we design outside the boundaries and into design problems found in neighborhood and communities. That is why site context issues-driven projects are important in this respect. Eventually, the students will do detailed design, but some of the design thesis complexities is in the organization of the neighborhood planning or slash master planning. Who's taking care of master planning? It's not the planners. And it's about design. I was talking to a, in a forum with Planners the other day showing universal design examples, including the streets. And the planners say they don't deal with this. We showed them easy examples and we said, You are in higher decision making positions. So you can tell the engineers and architects in your uh, council, but they refuse this point. I mean, they're putting themselves in different pigeonholes. They're not doing the urban design. So who is? Whatever it is, employers globally would want the graduate to have dealt with the master planning and the urban design aspects. The student will be more confident when they understand about a lot of things, a lot of other things, a lot of other complexities. Socioeconomic, sociocultural, transportation, recreational, psychology, economic. Yeah, I said it. So if you do issue driven. And there are good examples. It depends on the efficiency of resources. Now, we talked about the street church earlier. We talked about other projects. Too. I have explained about the street church in my podcast. And in the Life is a Design Thesis blog post. But this is an exact example of a multidisciplinary and intersectionality concepts. As clearly as you can see it, the street church. So another project is the Kampung Baru Aipanas, a community architecture project by Cheryl Kwan. She dealt with the master planning and reorganization, and she did it on her own. On her own. She didn't have a group with her because everyone had their own topics and sites that year, sometimes in 2009. But not many people were able to deal with the complexities, and she ended up with very pretty drawings and interesting drawings that show some detailed design because she's competent in that. But much of her design thesis was the reorganization of the town. It was a town planning exercise, and it was an urban design project. She could do something that the planners couldn't do, obviously, because she can make it nicer, the spaces, yeah, the experience of what people go through that. There was a Lembaga Architect Malaysia, a Malaysian Board of Architects, visit that year, though. She was an A student, and it wasn't controversial. It's just that when they, th- they see issues or thesis that when you compare with Cheryl Kwan with Chan Chung Meng's Street Church, who has, a, the latter has a very strong theoretical approach, like I said earlier, and he went and did stuff on the site as well. It is a very strong project, an excellent project, which not many people can do that, you know, the whole approach, the whole dogma of it is, and coming out with the project and looking into the design method, is really something else. But because it is a smaller project, but it deals with the outside of the boundaries, at intersectionality, at multidisciplinary, people can't see it, can't understand. So if you want your um, Malaysian architects to compete globally, you need to accept the street church project and also something like Kampung Baru Aipanas project. yeah. Yep. But these projects are not uh, during the um, last, the the context specificity, but these are projects are very good projects that that, that prove the points regarding um, master planning and urban design. So we do not know, the last one, the last point is we do not know how to combine our lecturers team, strong theoretical tutors with strong detailed design tutors. So you know what, this is the crux of it, the tutor's team, because this is where you have the theory and practice, which goes hand in hand with the site context issues driven project approach. If you leave out the site or the practical part on practice and make it hypothetical, where is the learning in there? The detailed design learning, make sure it's covered in the fourth year or earlier. If you leave that out, if the have, but if you leave out the hypothesis or the theory part, then it's just a final project and not a design thesis. So both the theoretical and practical parts are different functions to the overall learning. So you need to create a design thesis tutor studio team to set out among themselves where who is the person strong in theory and the person strong in detailed design. But better still to have all the th- each of the tutors to be competent in both aspects, then that would be a better and stronger team. The global employers will see the quality of architecture student for sure. So, so because you know, if the tutors the are not strong, either in detail design or theory, they cannot hack it. They cannot sustain themselves to help the student twice a week, and you can't have the student learning happening. That's why there are some people who don't really want the context-specificity approach. If You know, these are the five reasons why we need to go to the context-specificity and site-context-issues-driven project, and the rest of the book will be about that. And this is the podcast for now. We will have another podcast um, to assist us with this project. Thank you for listening.